Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. How many of you, let's just do a little survey here today. How many like Christmas music? Come on, just raise your hand. How many of you, put them down. How many of you are like, I like Christmas music so much that it's like in September, I'm starting to play it. Come on, right? Getting in the holiday mood or whatever. How many of you are like, hey, I like Christmas music, but at least wait till after Thanksgiving. Come on, any of those in the house? How many of you may be a little bit more like me? Like, I like Christmas music, but only like on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, like a couple of days around it. Any Scrooges in the house, right? In fact, this morning I got up, got ready ready for church and I turned on some Christmas music and my wife came in there and goes, did you turn that on? I mean, what's the deal? And I do like Christmas music around this time of year, but you got to admit, man, there's some weird lyrics in there. You know what I'm saying? Like what's up with some of these lyrics? Like 11 Lords a leaping. What the heck is that? And if somebody is my true love, why would they give me that? You know, I'm like a gift card even would be better than that. You know what I'm saying? And then Santa, like, isn't it creepy? He's watching you even when you're sleeping? I mean, that's weird. And then there's, there's, do you hear what I hear? How many remember that song? Do you hear what I hear? And there's a line in there. It says, a child, a child who's shivering in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. And I'm thinking silver and gold, let's bring him a blanket. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's weird, right? Some of these lyrics in these songs are, I mean, they're kind of weird. And there's this line in this song that we've been kind of looking at in this series we've done uh, throughout this Christmas season. And we're going to look at it a little bit more today. In fact, at the end of the song, at the end of the service, we're going to sing it together. It's a great song. One of my favorite Christmas songs. And yet this line in this song, like, it's kind of weird. It says, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And, and it's a great line. It's very poetic, sounds really good. But it really, I mean, it really wasn't accurate. Like when you think about the circumstances surrounding the song, that the song was written about, man, it wasn't exactly a silent night. It wasn't really a very calm night. It wasn't really very bright. In fact, it was an incredibly dark night that was filled with all kinds of chaos. I mean, just put yourself in their shoes for just a minute. You've got Mary and Joseph here, and here's here's Mary who's, who's pregnant, and they're not married yet, okay? And so that's an issue already right there, because especially in those days... That was considered extremely shameful and she could have even been put, put aside from her family and from all the people that she knew and loved. And she said, you know, hey, it was the Holy Spirit that did it. And who's going to believe that? You know what I'm saying? And then here she is. She's pregnant, probably eight, nine months pregnant. And they're traveling along the road to Bethlehem. I mean, miles and miles. Who knows how many miles that they actually traveled. And those of you ladies who have had children, I mean, can you imagine you're nine months pregnant? You're riding on the back of a donkey traveling. Come on, right? That's not exactly calm or bright, you know? And just, and you think about the situation. Most scholars say that Mary was probably about 15 or 16 years old. Imagine how scared she must have been. Not only that, is now she's married to this guy, Joseph, who most scholars say was probably about 30 years old. And not only that, it was an arranged marriage. So can you imagine how weird, how awkward that would be? And they get to Bethlehem and they get there and there's no place for him. Like Joseph forgot to make reservations, you know, and they get there and the only place available for them is to put them in a manger or not a manger in a stable, right? And put the baby 
into a manger. Not exactly silent night. I mean, can you imagine as there they are in the barn and they got, they got, you know, they got the horses and they got the cattle and they got the, all the stuff and it didn't really exactly smell all that great either. Can you imagine what I'm saying? And it's not exactly calm. It's not exactly silent. It's not exactly peaceful and bright. And I think about that, like, why would God put his son into a situation like that of all the places to send the savior of the world into a circumstance like that? Can you imagine? Why would he do that? And I think maybe, I think maybe he did that to teach us a little bit about peace. In fact, I think maybe God sent his son into a chaotic situation like that so that maybe he could understand what our lives would be like at times. So that maybe, maybe he could relate to us just a little bit. So that maybe we could even learn a few things about the fact that even when there's chaos and there's turmoil and there's struggle in our worlds, that we can still have peace in our hearts. The truth of the matter is, is we come on a day like this to celebrate peace on earth. But we look around and there's really not that much peace on the earth. Like, I mean, you think about it. some of you are here today and you're just struggling to make it. I mean, you're going, man, I'm here, but I'm just hoping that I can get through today. And I'm hoping I can get through this next week and we can get to 2018 because 2017 was a rough year, man. And we've been through some stuff. And you think about the things that have happened in this year. I mean, it, it has been a very stormy year. Literally, it has been a stormy year. I mean, you, you think about all the stuff that happened with the people that lost their homes and the hurricanes and the people in California who lost homes and lost everything in the fires and the earthquakes in Mexico City. And then you think about all the turmoil in the political air, arena in our world and the, all the racial divides. And you think about mass shootings. I mean, it was a stormy year. And some of you are here and you're going, man, I know you're talking about peace and we're singing about peace on earth and all this kind of stuff. But there's no peace on this earth. And it's not just the stuff happening in the world. It's the stuff happening in in my life. And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus actually never promised us that there would be peace on earth. In fact, he promised us something a little bit different than that. In fact, if, you, if you've got your Bibles, you might turn with me to, to what Jesus has to say about it in, in, the book of, in the book of Luke chapter 12 and verse 51. Look what it says. Look what Jesus says. He says, do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. <laughs> Write that on your Christmas card, you know. I mean, the truth is, like, it's not a popular thing, but Jesus never promised peace on earth. In fact, it's not even a concept that you even find anywhere in the Bible that there would be peace on earth. In fact, Jesus promised us that there would be something even different than that, than that, that there would actually be turmoil, that there would actually be problems, that there would actually be struggles, that there would actually be difficulties, that there would actually be division. And isn't that what we see in the world that we live in today? Like all is not calm and bright and happy and good. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He says, I promise you this. In this world, you will have trouble. Everybody say trouble. You'll have trouble. But here's the hope that you have. You can can take heart that Jesus has said, I have overcome 
even the trouble of the world. That I came not to bring peace to the world, but to bring peace to my people. That you can have a hope in your heart that even when there is chaos and even when there are struggles and even when there are storms in your life, that there is a peace that is available through him. He is the prince of peace. And it kind of reminds me of this story that I want to take a, a few minutes to talk about today. It's found, it's found actually in the book, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn there with me? We're going to look at it together. It's going to be on the screen and in your notes uh, today. Let's look at it together. Mark chapter four and verse 35. It says that as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm did what? Everybody say these words. Came up. A fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat and his head was on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, how, how many boat people do we have here today? You like, you like boats? Man, I do. I like boats. I like it when somebody else owns the boat, maintains the boat, puts the gas in the boat, stores the boat, then takes me out on the boat. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of boat person that I am. And here's the disciples. They're boat people. And so they get into the boat and they get out onto the lake. And when they get out onto the lake, suddenly a storm comes up. And isn't that the way life is sometimes? Like you can be smooth sailing and something out of nowhere can come up. Come on, right? I mean, you can be having a great day, no problems. And it, all it takes is one phone call, one text message, one email, one trip to the doctor's office, one trip to the boss's office. And suddenly you can find yourself in the midst of the storm of your life. I mean, one thing can ruin your day, your week, your month. Your year, your life, I mean, it can come out of nowhere. And here's the disciples, they're, they're, I mean, smooth sailing, and suddenly a storm comes up. And what do the disciples do? I mean, such people of great faith, what do they do? They do what probably we would have done in the same situation. They freaked out. <laughs> and what did they do? They said, Jesus, look at these words. They said, don't you care? Some of you are here today, and man, you said some of those words yourself. Like you've experienced some storms in your marriage or maybe in your health or maybe in your finances or in your emotions or in your relationships and out of nowhere you find yourself in a stormy situation and here's the question that you ask, God, don't you care about me? Don't you care about what I'm going through, about what I'm facing, about what's happening in me? And some of you here today, your boat has been rocked and you're wondering, is there a peace and is there a hope available for me. I want to take this simple little story and I want to just point out three things today from this story that will hopefully bring you some peace and some hope in the middle of a world that is filled with a very deep lack of peace. If you're taking notes, you can write these three things down. The first one, the first one is this. If you're in a storm today, here's the hope that you can have. You are in the storm with his permission. Everybody say his permission. With his permission. Let me just tell you something. If you're facing a struggle in your life, here's what you can know. You are in that struggle because God has allowed you to be in that struggle. In fact, look at this passage right here in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Now I want to ask you something. Whose idea was it to get in the, into the boat? It's Jesus' idea. Now think about this for a second. He's Jesus. 
Like he's the all-knowing, all-powerful son of God. He sees and knows things before they ever even happen, right? And he tells them to get in the boat. Don't you think he knew that when they got in the boat, there was going to be a storm, right? This, is, this messes with some of our theology, I think. Because the disciples followed Jesus right into the storm. And some of us, you know, we think, we think, well, if I'm following Jesus, there will never be any storms in my life. It's amazing. Everything you just said there was wrong. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, the truth is you're going to have storms. Storms happen. Everybody just look at your neighbor tell them storms happen. I know some of you say other stuff happens. Sounds kind of like that. It's kind of the same thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it happens. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. It doesn't matter whether you're following Jesus or not following Jesus. Guess what? Stuff's going to happen in your life. Problems are going to come. Storms are going to arise. And here's the deal. Sometimes we create our own storms. Like we like to blame it on everybody else. Even blame it on God sometimes. Sometimes it's our own poor decisions that brought about the storms in our lives. Isn't it true? But here's the good news I have for you today is that even if you created the storm, if you just come to Jesus, he can forgive you for those sins. Not only that, he can even turn that storm and use it for your good. The scripture tells us that when we love and know God and are living according to his purpose, he works it all together for our goods. But then there are some of you that are like, man, I didn't cause this. Like I've been trying to follow Jesus. I've been doing my best to serve him. And here I am in the middle of this thing. I didn't ask for it. I didn't cause it. What's the deal? And here's what I want you to understand. The disciples followed Jesus right into the storm. But they were there because he allowed them. He permitted them to be there. If you're in a storm, you can understand. You can know. You can have hope in this that you're there with his permission. Number two, write this one down. If you're in a storm today, here's what you got to know. Not only are you there with his permission, but you are there In his presence. Everybody say, in his presence. In his presence. Check this out. Look at this. Here's the disciples. They're in the storm. Man, they're facing it. But guess what? They're not facing it alone. And let me just tell you something. Some of you are facing some stuff and you may feel like you're alone, but I'll tell you, you're not alone. In fact, the one who allowed you to go into the storm will not allow you to face the storm by yourself. In fact, this is what it says in verse number 38 of this passage. It says that Jesus was where? He was in the stern of the boat on a cushion. Here's the disciples. They're in the boat in the storm. And where is Jesus? He's in the boat with them. He's right there. And notice this. What's he doing? He's sleeping. This cracks me up. You think the Bible's not funny. It's funny. I'm telling you, like the thing that was causing the disciples to freak out wasn't even enough to cause Jesus to wake up. Right? And let me just tell you something, guys. Like Jesus is not losing sleep over your storm. He ain't worried about it. In fact, it didn't catch him by surprise. He don't call emergency meetings. Hey, hurry up. Let's get the rest of the Trinity in here. Get the Father and get the Holy Spirit in here. We didn't see this happening. Let's fix this thing, you know. No, he knew. In fact, he's the one that led him right there. And where was he in the middle of it? Right there with them. And can I just encourage you today, if you're in the struggle and if you're in the storm, let me just tell you something. Jesus is right there in it with you. You may be trying to wake God up to your problem, but God might be trying to wake you up to his presence. 
that, hey, I'm, I'm in it with you. You may not feel me. In fact, this is what we see. He was where in the boat? He was in the stern of the boat. In other words, he was in a place where he wasn't seen. And here's the disciples. They're trying to get all the water out of the boat and trying to row through the storm and all of that. And they couldn't see Jesus, but he was there. And some of you right now, man, you're rowing for your life. You're trying to fight through the storm and you don't see Jesus and you don't feel Jesus. But here's what you can know, that he is in the boat with you. He is right there. His presence is all around you. How do I know that his presence is here? Here's how I know. He promised it in his word. I mean, in Hebrews, it says in verse in chapter 13, verse five, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. In Psalm 23, verse four, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. I mean, isn't this what Christmas is really all about? Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. That no matter what I face. Hey, if I'm, in a, if I'm in a storm, I'm there because I'm in his permission. I'm in his presence. Number three, write this one down. If you're facing a storm, it's for his purpose. Guess what? God has a purpose. See, some of you earlier when I said, well, you're in the storm because God has allowed you to be in the storm. You're like, well, that sounds like a mean God that would allow me to go through a struggle in a storm like that. But here's what here's what you got to know is that if God would permit the storm in your life, it would only be because he has a purpose for the storm in your life that he can actually use it for your good. You say, well, what's the purpose of a storm? Well, I can see just a couple of them right here. It might be that God wants to use the storm to get you where he wants you to go. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Jesus had a place that he was trying to take the disciples, but in order to get where he wanted them to go, they're going to have, they had to go through some stormy waters in order to get there. And some of you are here today and you're going through some storms and some struggles and you're going, why am I going through this? And I will tell you, God has a purpose for it. It might even be that he is using it to get you where he wants you to be. And I know some of you are going, man, I don't want to be here. And this truth is, is that you may not want to be where you're at, but you might have to go through where you're at to get where God wants you to be. You might have to go through it to get to it. Everybody just look at your neighbor and tell them, go through it to get to it. That's good. That just came out. That's good right there. What's the purpose of the storm? Hey, it might be, it might be he wants to use it to get you where he wants you to be. But number two, letter B, it might be that he wants to use it to make you who he wants you to be. Truth is the storms and the struggles of our life, God can actually use them to build us. We've said it a million times around here, but God is more concerned with your character than he is with your comfort. He's more concerned with who you are and who you are becoming than how you are feeling. Most of us, we're, we're concerned with how I feel. This struggle, this pain, this, this storm, it's, it's painful, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult. I don't like it. And here's the deal. Sometimes when it comes to storms, here's what we pray. We pray that God would do a removing job. But many times when it comes to storms, God wants to do an improving job. He doesn't want to take it away. What he wants to do is use it to build us, to make us more like him. You know, here's another one. I I just came up with this one. It's not in your notes. Just came up with it as I was studying last night. He might want to use the storm to show you who he is. In fact, it might be in the middle of the pain of the storm that you actually understand his power in the middle of it. In fact, right here, look, look what it says in the, in the passage right here in verse number Verse number 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds and said to the waves, silence, be still. 
And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a what? There was a, a great calm. Isn't that what this series is about? That in order to experience the calm, they had to go through the storm. And can I tell you that you never really know what peace is like until you've gone through the storm. In fact, in order to truly know the Prince of Peace, you might have to experience the pain of the storm. But it's in the middle of the storm that you actually understand God's great peace that he has for your life, even in the middle of it. So you say, well, pastor, that's all good. But like, you don't know my situation. What do I do about it? Like if I'm in the storm, what do I do? Well, let me just give you two things. Number one, write this one down. Surrender control. I'll tell you this. There is no peace that comes like the peace that comes when you start to recognize I'm not in control. When you start to get to the place where you're like, the storm, I have no control of it. I, I can't tell the wind to stop. I can't tell the waves to stop. I am not the captain of this ship. And when you come to that realization, man, there's a peace in surrender that you will find nowhere else in recognizing. I'm not in control, but I know the one who is. I mean, I put myself in that picture and I think about Jesus and the disciples. Here they are in the boat and they're rowing and they've got, they got buckets and they're trying to get the water out and it's filling up as fast as they're trying to get it out. And they're freaking out, wondering what to do. And then all of a sudden somebody wakes up and realizes, wait a second, like I have no control over this boat. I have no control over these wind, this wind and these waves. I have no control over all this stuff. But wait a second, like Jesus is in the boat with us. We know someone who does have control. And so they gave up control and they went and they woke up Jesus. And in three words, peace be still, Jesus did more than they could ever do on their own. And some of you are here. And man, here's what you need to get. You need to get to the point where you say, I know I'm not in control of this thing. I've been trying to fight it. I've been rowing. I've been, I got buckets. I'm trying to make things happen. And I can't do it on my own. In fact, this might even be the reason God has allowed the struggle in your life. Maybe, just maybe, to bring you to that point of recognizing your need for him. There may be some of you that are here today and you've been, man, you've got turmoil in your heart and your mind because you've been running and you've been fighting and you've been doing everything to keep away from what God wants for your life. And if you would just come to the place where you'd say, God, I surrender. Hey, it may be. That he would, he would get up and he would say, peace to your marriage, peace to your finances, peace to your health. And that would be great. And he can do that. But many times what he does is the wind keeps blowing and the waves keep going. The struggle keeps happening. But he brings a peace in your heart that only comes from surrender. What do you do if you're in the middle of the storm? You surrender control. What do you do if you're in the middle of the storm? You do what the disciples did. What, what, did, what did the disciples do? Man, I studied it and I got in depth into the Greek and all of that kind of stuff. And you know what I found out the disciples did? You ready for this? Write this down. They stayed in the boat. <laughs> here, let me just tell you something, guys. If you're in the storm, let me just give you a, a pointer here. You ready for this? Don't get out the boat. The only way you're going to get to the other side is if you stay in the boat. And the truth is, and when you face the storms, here's the greatest temptation is to jump ship. In fact, some of you have been there. You're like, man, I didn't think being a Christian was going to be this hard. I didn't think being married was going to be this hard. I didn't think business was going to be this hard. I didn't think life was going to be this hard. And so when you find yourself in the storm, the temptation is to give up and quit, to jump ship. But the only way you're going to get to the other side is to stay in the boat. And in the boat is where Jesus is. And can I tell you, hey, there may be a storm raging all around you, but guess what? Storms don't last forever. 
They come, but they are a season. And the scripture tells us like this in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time. Everybody say the proper time. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If what? If we do not give up. Some of you are here today and you're weary. You're tired. You say, I don't know what I'm going to do. Here's what you do. You keep holding on. And in the midst of your storm, hey, it may, the storm may not go away, but there's a peace that God can bring in our hearts. 